Hey, welcome to Follow Him Ministries podcast message on the book of Philippians, Paul's letter to the church at Philippi. Today we pick up in chapter 1, starting with verse 12 through 18. So let's read those verses. We'll pray and then we'll talk through them. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Heavenly Father, open the eyes and ears of our understanding, open our hearts, our minds, our soul and spirit, that we may hear and see and receive your living word, what you have for us today, and may we be transformed forever, and it may it be all for your glory, in Christ's name, amen. Paul starts off telling the church that he has such great love and affection for he said, I want you to know, meaning meaning he wanted them to know assuredly not to be thinking or, or believing it might be this way. He said, I want you to know that what's happened to me has served to advance the gospel. In other words, what looks like trouble has become a great treasure. It has become a great treasure because God turns things that don't look good into things that are good. He says uh, he makes all things to work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So Paul said it served to advance the gospel, what has happened to him. He said it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. Now, the imperial guard would be the soldiers, the Roman soldiers who were assigned to guard Paul every day, and they would work in shifts, and there would be multiple soldiers there at all times, but at least one of them would be chained to his wrist. Can you imagine that somebody that you wanted a chance to try to influence from the gospel that that you're chained to their wrist? I mean, wow, what an opportunity God has opened up for him to preach the gospel by his life, by his words, by his letters, by all that he does to those that are, quote, holding him captive. He's God's really holding them captive through the the greatest good news that they could ever hear. And so he said, look, this is for Christ. This, This is promoting the gospel. This is a great thing that's happened. He said, not only has it allowed me to preach the gospel to these people who otherwise wouldn't want to hear it, He said, most of the brothers, most of the other people around me that know me here, 
He said, they've become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment. In other words, they've become bold, much more bold to speak the word. It has strengthened their faith to see several things. One is that Paul is in prison. Paul knows that he's going to be killed, but he retains his joy. He retains his hope. He, re- he continues to carry out the great commission of making disciples of all nations, teaching them all that Christ has commanded. And that uh, he's just doing all this out of something that looked bad and God is turning it into something great. And then he goes on to say, some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. So, the latter, that those who do it from goodwill, do it knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. They're, they're excited by what's happening, and they're doing uh, a better job in themselves. It's made them better Christians. Not only is God bringing people to Christ that that never would have come any other way than to be locked away realistically with Paul 24 hours a day and that that it's caused the others to be encouraged to speak more boldly and to be more effective in their ministry as they're preaching the gospel and and defending the gospel against great attacks uh, in Rome by people who would seek their harm and seek their destruction and who rejected the gospel. He said the former, meaning those who preach out of envy and rivalry, uh, preach out of selfish ambition. They're not being sincere, but they're thinking they're causing me pain. Now, different people have different thoughts about who this would be, but for them to be preaching the gospel then they have to be believers. They're not just saying words. They're preaching the gospel. Their intent is that they think somehow they can embarrass Paul by doing this, maybe contrasting between themselves and and, and him. Like, you know, the great, the great apostle is in jail, but we're out here and, and we're true to Christ and we're, you know, that they didn't understand they were immature Christians and they were just seeking to proclaim Christ and also to inflict punishment on Paul. I can't say that for sure, but that's my sense of it. It doesn't make sense that it would be the Judaizers, those who promote uh, compliance with the Jewish law, because they wouldn't be proclaiming the gospel, that Christ has died and Christ is risen, and that our sins are forgiven and we're reconciled to God through Christ. And then Paul asked a question, what then? He's saying, what then? What about me being in prison? What about these Roman soldiers being chained to me or me being chained to them? What about the people, the other Christians in the vicinity? What about you who I'm writing to? He said, look, let's be excited about this, that in every way, regardless of the motive, Jesus Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. He's proclaimed in that the the good news of Christ, that we all have sinned and fallen short, and the wages of our sin is death, but that God 
showing his love for us while we were still sinners, sent Christ to die for us that we might have life in him and through him and that he was crucified, dead, buried, and raised from the dead, ascended to heaven and is coming back. That's what he means to be that that in truth Christ is proclaimed. The fullness of who Christ is is proclaimed. And Paul is saying, in that I rejoice. In other words, he's not looking at his circumstances and saying, poor me, why have I got to be chained up? Poor me, why am I going to eventually die for my faith in Christ? He's saying, I am rejoicing. And that's this whole letter to the church at Philippi, the book of Philippians, is about joy and peace. And he's saying, I'm rejoicing because what I wanted to see happen, and more importantly, what God has commanded, that we proclaim the gospel, that's exactly what's happening. So there's a lot to be thankful for, and we need to look at our circumstances and recognize that God has an agenda above ours. His thoughts are above our thoughts. His words and his ways are above our words and our ways, and that we can trust him even when it doesn't feel good, even when things look like they're going in a way that that we didn't really want them to go. We can trust that God will work all things together for good when we love God and are called according to his purpose, and that none of these things can separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. So we rejoice. We rejoice in the Lord always when things are going the way we want them to go and when things are going very differently. We can still say we rejoice in the Lord Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, Help us to live with our eyes on you. Help us to raise our eyes from our circumstances to you, the only true living God, one God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We submit ourselves to you. Use us, Lord. Draw us, Lord. Fill us, Lord. And lead us, Lord, in the way that is everlasting, the way that honors you best. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.